wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. This is your host, Fuad Kassab, and with me today, I have a person who I haven't annoyed for years. Joe <laughs> hey, that's not true. I think you annoyed me five minutes ago. That feels like years to me, Joe. But hey, let's not bore the, the listeners with our domestic um, <laughs> encounters. Uh, We're only kidding, guys. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Joe, yes. I've been I've been looking after the kids for uh, a day and a half now, and you survived and, so far. Uh, Yes, and if I had a hat, I would take it off to moms all around. Oh, I thought you were going to say to yourself. Uh, to, to do what? Uh, to myself? <laughs> no. No, definitely not. Like, I'm a really good dad, but a really terrible mom. That's what I've figured out about myself. <laughs> Love it. But really. Like, That's if you so think good. About it, like, the other day, I went out with Lainey and the kids and my friend, and we went to Taronga Zoo, and we had this amazing day at Taronga Zoo where we looked at all the animals, and, you know, it's exhausting. <laughs> it Zoos is are exhausting. exhausting. And I come, we go to have uh, lunch somewhere, and we're at this pub, and we're um, sitting down, waiting for our steak to arrive. And, and I'm sitting there with my friend, and we're exhausted, and Lainey's there with the kids, and she's like doing coloring in with them and she's like talking to them about the details of their coloring in uh, and, and I'm going I look at my friend and I said how, how does she do it <laughs> I don't know so like, much how, patience so much and, yeah uh, yeah it's just incredible to me it's, like, it's, I love I love these kids but not like not like a mum does yeah, yeah, it's a different kind of. It is. It stuff. is so different. We're, I think it's built into us to be a lot more patient. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but the kids have been behaving well. Like I managed to get them to school in one piece each. And you, I was very impressed because you got them to bed by quarter to seven last night. That was quarter pretty good. Seven. Amazing. Bed bed. We had a podcast last night, so he had to get them in bed, and he did it. <laughs> yes, and the funny thing is, Joe's like. What? We're recording the 100th episode with Dr. Natasha Campbell McPride. This is amazing. We've got a seven o'clock. You got to be there sharp. Don't don't forget. Don't forget. I'm like, all right, Joe, I'm, I'm going to, the kids, I've got to do all this. I'm going to do it. And I'm panicking and I'm like talking to the kids all day about like, kids, tonight, podcast, listen to me. You have to listen. You have to be in bed. You cannot get out of bed and say i'm thirsty no you drink before you go to bed you go to the toilet before you go to bed and um, they're like yes sir i'm like all right and it was just the whole thing was completely <laughs> like militarized in the house around the dr natasha campbell mcbride podcast because it's so important to us we're you know interviewing <laughs> one of our heroes and seven o'clock comes and i said that, that thing. i was like joe seven o'clock i made it it's good it's done and joe goes oh I don't know, maybe it's daylight savings or something. I think maybe we're a bit early. And then <laughs> we were an hour early. <laughs> an hour early. And then I got up. I'm like, okay, Joe, I'll come back a little bit later. And then my daughter, Sarah, goes to me. Like, she comes out of bed. She goes, because she was like, she wanted me to tackle her in longer. And I said, no, I've got a podcast. I said, like, we'll do the Lebanese lesson tomorrow. And she's like, oh, and I'm like, I've got the podcast, Sarah. I can't do it tonight. I'm so sorry, but tomorrow. <laughs> and then she, she hears me just 
going around the house and just drinking my water and making tea. And, and she gets out of bed. She goes, what happened to the podcast? Like, aren't you recording a podcast? <laughs> Dad was uh, just tricking us to get us in bed. Yeah, that's what I, I felt like she felt cheated. And, uh, and it was all because Joe made me do it. It's all because and of I said, me. I said, no, I'm recording a podcast, but my business partner is completely incapable of calculating. <laughs> hey, when I calculated it, it was right, but then England went and changed their time zone thing again and confused me since the time we booked the podcast okay. in. Right. Oh. <laughs> so let me off the hook. Time. Let me off the hook. But, oh, but yes, as Fuad has just spilt the beans, no, we spilt it last week. Um, we have a pod- our 100th episode next week um, and it's with Dr. Natasha and it was an amazing podcast. We can't wait to share it. Yeah, loved it. It's so good. So good. Um, I was about very information. We'll get. We'll talk about it next week. That's yes. Not, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Just keep going, guys. It's just another week. And um, <laughs> but today we've got a really good podcast we about uh, the invisible aspects of health. Yeah. That that uh, electromagnetic radiation, and um, this is a topic. It's one of those things that it's kind of hard to talk about because. Um, of all the devices that we now come to depend on mm. and uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth speakers and Fitbits and smart watches and smartphones and smart meters smart, light, smart meters and smart light bulbs and have you seen those smart light? they're pretty cool no I haven't what do they do? you can change, you can change the color and uh, through your phone like, oh but they're you know Wi-Fi enabled and stuff or Bluetooth or something I don't know so as cool as they are, there are some hidden dangers in these things. And um, this episode is to really get into this topic and to understand what this kind of technology is doing to us at a biological level and its dangers and how these dangers accumulate in our body to cause uh, problems for us in the long term. So um, hopefully this will bring a lot of information to you guys today so you can uh, look at any symptoms that might be coming from EMR, which stands for electromagnetic radiation. Uh, Joe, do you want to talk about our guest today? Yeah. So we interviewed Lynn McLean from uh, EMR Australia, and she's been working in this field for over 20 years. Field. I keep using that pun. Yeah, she worked in this field. Her magnetic field. Yeah, yeah, for the last 20 years or so. I think more than 20 years, she said. And um, she said she got into it. Well, she'll explain why she got into um, this area of work. Um, But it's something that is becoming so common, the symptoms that people have from um, being exposed to too much EMR. And so she began a company in 2004 to help people who were experiencing problems from exposure. Um, and she'd already you know, been working on it for a long time. So she's very, um, she's very informed and very helpful with um, working out ways to reduce exposure. So that's what we talk about in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because now we're at this point where we depend on this kind of technology so much. So it's really mm. important for us to find ways to reduce the hazard in our house. And and there's a lot of practical tips around this as well in the, in the show. Yes, Joe. I was going to say, I went to a conference once where I heard someone talking about this and it was the most depressing talk in the whole conference. But the way that Lynn talks about it, I didn't feel like that this time. I felt like she had a lot of solutions 
um, and that there was things that you can do as a family. She's written a really good book called, um, what's it called? Wireless Wise Families. And it gives really practical tips for, you know, your home and um, helping your family to be safe and just keeping the EMRs down. So she's, she's just um, quite encouraging in yeah. there's things that you can do. Yeah, it's a really great podcast and uh, so much information. Make sure that you share it with your friends because this kind of stuff is in every household now. And especially people with growing children who might have their Wi-Fi router right next to the kid's head. Yeah. Or they're just uh, giving a lot of uh, wireless devices like iPads and iPhones and or tablets and smartphones. I shouldn't be brand specific um, <laughs> to, to their kids. Little and, children. Uh, yeah, mm. and um, see st- how, what they can do about that. I still find that really odd because um, my children were sort of raised in another generation almost. I'm so old now. Yeah, <laughs> and are. Yeah, and seeing kids two years old with an iPad in a pram, it's just weird to me, really weird. So, well, yeah. they've got to, you know, they have to update their social media. <laughs> um. Look, I get it, man. I yeah. don't do it, but I get it. Yeah, it it, okay. it would be simpler. Like, they definitely would be yeah. amused. But, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, like, life is tough enough without kids. And then you have kids, and now you have to deal <laughs> with them. So, so I don't know. If I had iPads in the house, I probably would have thrown them at the kids yesterday and told yeah. them I'm doing it. Nah, just going to do it. <laughs> but you know what I've done with them? I've got this um, laptop. Um, that I got for work and it has a, a pen so I, I can draw on, on it yeah. it's like an iPad but, but it's a Microsoft Surface and um, every once in a while I'll put it on airplane mode and I'll give it to yeah. them and they, they well, get what, to draw on that's it. one of the things Lynn says um, put it on yeah. airplane mode and let them play that way yeah so that, that's nice so yeah there is, they, there is options yeah Absolutely. And what's cool about it is that if they make a mistake, they can undo it easily. And, yeah. And then they don't cry and then complain that, hey, my they sister came and scraped my it. Yeah. piece of paper and then they start fighting. None of that. That's good. <laughs> All right, Jojo. All That's, right. Uh, yeah, I think you guys have heard enough about our private lives. We should move <laughs> on now to the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will chat to you soon. Bye. Hi, Lynn. It's so great to have you with us today. How are you? Hello. I'm fine, thanks, Joe. And it's lovely to be talking to you and Foa today. Thank you for your time. No, thank you for yours. Thanks for joining us. You've got a lot of experience in this field. I think I read you've been working um, in this field. That sounds like a pun. (laughs) (laughs) Electromagnetic field. (laughs) (laughs) For about 19 years, is that right? Oh, it's well over 20 now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we'd love to know what exactly you do um, in your line of work and um, how you you, um, educate people about EMR and um, really your story. How did you learn about all this? How did you get into this? Oh, well, yes. (laughs) It's a long story. First of all, what I do to, to help people is I guess make them aware of this issue Mm -hmm. so lots of people are sitting at home 
that's being irradiated by all the devices around them but without any idea that that's happening and they might be wondering why they're feeling sick, why they've got headaches, why they're tired all the time, um, why their kids maybe aren't doing so well at school and then they find out about electromagnetic radiation, they give me a call and we're able to tell them a lot of information and we're able to help them find out what exposure they've actually got in their homes and once they know that then they're able to make decisions about that you know decide whether to reduce that exposure or whatever they, they might like to do so I would see my role really as an educator. Awesome and can you tell us a bit about your background how you got into this? Yep my well I started off working in uh, an environmental group called the Sutherland Show Environment Centre and at that time, this is back in 1994, they had a group of people doing some work on electromagnetic radiation I thought, oh look, that's all fine, that's, that's nice that they're doing that. Then suddenly I found myself drawn into that group and having to learn about this for the first time and I thought it was the most fascinating thing that I had ever encountered. In a scary way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I I didn't expect to find it so interesting and I certainly didn't see my my future being in this area, but there you go, that's what's happened. And one of the, well, a few reasons I found it interesting. One was because some of the research was just amazing and it showed me that the body behaves in an electromagnetic way. So electromagnetic signals are really important to the way the body heals and repairs itself mm. and that was news to me back in those days and one of the other things that was important to me was that the fact that there were so many people that were ringing us up and saying I've got problems you know I, I can't sleep oh, this has happened that's happened and we were at that phase the only people in Australia that were really giving advice and able to help people and it seemed to me that there was so much need for information that let's write a book and so that that's really how I got into it. I, I wrote my first book What's the Buzz which was published in 2002 mm-hmm. and then there have been a few books subsequently so um, that's how my journey started and here I am about 22 years later still going. Wow. Um, then um, back in 2002, we probably had much less uh, Wi-Fi routers and mobile phones and things like that going on. Um, so this would have been a, a, a big issue back then, even before the Wi-Fi age. And um, and it, it seems to me that if it was such a big issue back then, it's even a bigger issue now. So mm-hmm. can you give us a, an idea of um, the um, where we've come from in terms of electromagnetic radiation, in terms of the exposure to it, and, and how bad the problem is at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Look, when I first got involved, there, there wasn't really very much happening in the whole wireless area, and people were mainly concerned at that time about power lines and meter boxes on people's bedroom walls and that sort of thing so that was I guess the the key focus but as time went on yes there were mobile phones and then you had mobile phone towers and everybody was jumping up and down concerned about these mobile phone towers that were going up in communities and next to homes and so forth so there was a a great need or desire for information and and I was on a committee that was um, was a, a an industry committee that was developing a code for the locating of mobile phone base stations. So I, I think I spent about 
probably about 10 years on and off working on that committee. Maybe it wasn't quite that long. And and so that was where the interest was. And then as time has passed, people have started using Wi-Fi, using cordless phones, using mobile phones more often and in different ways. Now you've got kids using mobile phones, whereas, you know, if we go back to 2002, there, there weren't kids using them very mm. much at all. You've got wireless devices for kids. You've got iPads for children. You've got wireless classrooms. So not only is there more wireless technology, but it's it's being targeted to a younger and younger yeah. Uh, age group and you've got you've got babies using you know playing on their parents mobile phones and using ipad mm. potties believe it or not what yeah haven't heard of that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah so when they go to the toilet they're playing on an ipad at the same time and oh. you know being irradiated at the same time so there's this technology is always evolving and as it evolves and as we go from one generation of technology to another to another then the the, the health effects, uh, I, I guess, are more relevant for different groups and honestly, more people start reacting. So when the smart meters came out, for example, and that's a relatively new phenomenon, they, um, mm. the radiation from those smart meters affected a lot of people, certainly a lot of people reporting health effects from smart meters. So, you know, it's, it's a really interesting area for me and it's just, it concerns me that there are so many people suffering and there's not a lot being done to help them. Yeah. So could you explain what the symptoms and health issues are that are associated with exposure to EMR? Yeah, sure. So in, in terms of the health problems, so the ones that have been most associated with it are uh, childhood leukaemia that's related to exposure right. to the magnetic fields from power lines. Um, there's a lot of evidence about that now that it goes back to the 1970s. Um, for mobile phones and wireless devices, there's uh, quite a lot of research that's been done on brain tumours and not all studies have found a link between mobile phone use and brain tumours but quite a lot have and what they're finding is that the longer people use mobile phones for the greater number of hours and the greater number of years, the more likely they are to develop a, a different, you know, a range of different brain tumours. So that's been quite well researched. But apart from that, you've got research that's showing that this kind of radiation affects um, or causes oxidative stress. So that's mm -hmm. really increasing free radicals in the body, which is associated with a whole lot of diseases and ageing and so forth. Um, as well as those sorts of things, you get uh, a lot of people reporting symptoms. So you get symptoms of headaches, fatigue, depression, irritability, pain, nausea, uh, gastric problems, heart palpitations quite often. So uh, really quite a, a large range of central nervous system sorts of symptoms. Mm. And we are contacted by people who, who get those symptoms all the time. And if you look at the research, there are people who are reporting symptoms in, in various studies quite often too. And that includes Australians reporting symptoms to smart meter radiation. Right. So um, the, these studies with the smart meter radiation, this is like, um, are, are these um, population studies where they're looking at people who live close to smart meters and... Uh, 
from there checking what kind of um, symptoms they're having as opposed to people who aren't living next to smart meters? Is it, can you explain a bit more about the nature of the study and what's yeah. going on? Yeah. Yeah, the Australian study was just done on people in Victoria who reported symptoms. So it's really just um, data from people, self-reported data. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because in Victoria, just about everybody now has a smart meter. So it's not that there is a population of people without it. And in fact, it's really hard to even get a control population anymore because nearly everybody is using something wireless. If it's not a smart meter, mm. it might be a mobile phone or a cordless phone or they might have Wi-Fi. So, you know, so many people are exposed. It's very hard to do proper research with an unexposed comparison group. Mm. All right. Um, I mean, a lot of these symptoms that you mentioned um, kind of go hand in hand with the modern lifestyle. Um, so like a poor diet and poor sleep and lack of yeah. exercise, things like that. So how, how can we remove that, those confounding factors and sort of really just uh, say that this is being caused by uh, radiation or EMF, EMR radiation and as opposed to uh, other lifestyle uh, variables? Yeah, well, that's a really good question, and it's not an easy one to answer. Certainly, some of the studies have uh, checked for co-founders, so they've looked at populations maybe back in the day before everybody had Wi-Fi in their homes. They'd look at groups of, of people living near mobile phone towers, and they'd find that people who lived within a certain distance had a higher rate of, of various symptoms. So that was more related to their proximity to the the source of radiation than it was to those other lifestyle factors but I and that, that's the difficulty that we have in actually proving that this symptom is caused by that exposure when there are so many other things that could be causing it there are some studies that have done what's called provocation uh, experiments where they've exposed somebody to a particular frequency and then observed reactions in the body and mm -hmm. some of those you know, there are, there are all sorts of problems with those studies and some haven't found results, but some of them actually have. And some of the study done on rats, for example, found that if you expose rats to uh, these uh, kinds of signals, that they developed changes in mast cells in their body. So that's unlikely to be a lifestyle factor mm. and unlikely to be psychosomatic. So yeah, you can see you can see biological changes taking place in people's bodies, in cells under microscopes, and, and in animals. Yeah. I, I remember once seeing this um, a school experiment where these I think girls in Scandinavia or something I can't really remember where they had these little seeds that they planted. Um, next to a Wi-Fi router and others that were planted away from it and the ones planted close to the router just didn't thrive at all and the other ones were really thriving. And um, so I, that was a, a very simple experiment. Of course, we don't know whether it was ideal growing locations next to a router anyway, whether it was the router causing it or lack of light or whatever it is. But yeah. uh, it was, uh, regardless, a very, very interesting thing to look at. I'm just wondering now, because say, um, you, you, we tried to get you on Skype on your mobile <laughs> phone and have a mobile phone. Yeah. And, um, we're talking to you on a landline at the moment, uh, probably in a bunker that is... Uh, <laughs> Lined with something that's no. it's just in a safe, safe office. <laughs> um, 
we I have Wi-Fi at home. Joe does too, and uh, we use mobile phones. We depend on them for our work. I've got like a little, you know, uh, carrier case that stops radiation coming out and all that. But um, I'm just really interested in seeing, uh, understanding: is there such a thing as safe exposure at all? Um, and if it is, at what level it is, and how can we engage with technology um, and still not kill ourselves? Mm. Yeah, oh, well, those are those are good questions, and they're ones that we really need answers to. The trouble is that the answers aren't easy. So, mm. for example, if we say what's the safe level, the answer is nobody's got a clue. Mm. And to make things, well, we do know that zero is safe yeah. <laughs> because that's what we've evolved with. And once we get no. What we do know is that different people react differently and when I say people, that applies to animals and it applies to cells too. So if you take two different strains of, of rats, like two genetic strain, strains of rats or rabbits or something, and you expose them both, one strain might react and the other strain might not react. And the the reason is that the you know, this individual susceptibility. So if you apply that to humans, we'll get situations where one person in a family will be sensitive mm. to this radiation and nobody else will, will notice any problems. So it, it's very difficult to say, look, this is a safe level for everybody because I, I don't know if if we can determine that it'd be like saying you know what's the safe level of peanuts for for people some people can tolerate peanuts without any trouble and some people have got allergies to them mm -hmm. so we're, we're all different in so many ways um i think it's really important to reduce exposure for all of us to reduce exposure because what the studies are doing is they're showing a cumulative effect okay. in other words you can use a, a mobile phone for x number of years say up to 10 and some of the studies have, have not found increased rates of brain tumours with mobile phone use for under 10 years. Mind you, that's only something like half an hour's use a week. Oh. But, yeah, <laughs> I know. That's, well, that's, what was, that's what people were doing back in the day when that study was done. Right. But Sorry, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear what you said. Can you repeat that, oh, please? Yeah. That's when people were using a mobile phone for about half an hour a week. So it's Those studies? Not. The, yeah, not the way we would use mobile phones today. No. But then they found that when people had been using phones for 10 years or over about 1,600 hours, then they started to see increased rates of brain tumours. So mm. in other words, it's a cumulative effect. And, and that's what we see when we talk to people too because they'll say, oh, you know, I was perfectly fine, perfectly fine. Suddenly I find I'm reacting to this and that. And that, that seems consistent. So reducing your exposure to me makes a lot of sense because if you're going to use this technology and you're going to use it for a long time, you don't want a cumulative lifetime of, of use that's no. a large one. But in terms of using technology safely, that's really easy. So I work in an office, I'm on a computer and a phone all day every day, but it's all wired in. So I have no wireless. I have no wireless phone, no cordless phone, no wireless internet. I use wired internet. So we can use technology, but we can use it in ways that's not exposing us to this radiation. Hmm. So could you give us some practical tips for um, in-office use then? I know that you have um, ways to block radiation as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you could just, yeah, because most of us work on computers all day. Um, so wiring it in is the, um, what's that cord called? Sorry, I'm a bit technologically challenged. Ethernet. Ethernet. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the first yeah. step you would recommend? That's the num- yeah, that's the number one priority. So if people have got cordless phones, then I would say put a corded phone in instead of right. a, a cordless phone because cordless means wireless. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got, if you want to use internet, then use wired internet. Basically, love your wires. That's the number one priority. So that's the first thing that people can do. If people are using mobile phones, they can use uh, a case. For example, for as you mentioned, the, mm. the anti-radiation cases, and, and we have cases like that that will block the radiation going into the head, but still allow, allow the phone to connect. So that's an important thing to do, and not carry the phone on your body mm. because that radiation, unless you, you've got the phone in a shielded case, that's just going to go straight into your body, whether it's you know your your, your breast or your um, reproductive organs that are close to the pocket, yeah. they're all going to be affected. So that's the other thing. For, for kids, I think it's incredibly important that we that we get them off these wireless devices. Mm. So kids can be using um, technology on wired computers, for example. And I would say use a wired computer rather than an iPad, which can't be, or a tablet, I should say, that, that can't be wired in. Mm. Um, if kids are using tablets that must be on airplane mode so that they're not being irradiated when they're using it and and really get them outside get them yeah <laughs> get them playing get them interacting with with other human beings because what we're seeing now is that kids are so addicted to this technology that it's affecting in a bad way their their education their performance yeah. their behavior their relationships their ability to interact with people their IQ even so uh, you, you know Getting kids to do to to read and to play and to talk to other people is mm, is I so think important. really important. Yeah. Yep. Uh, another tip: measure, find out what is in your home because you don't know what you're being exposed to while you lie in bed or what your kids are lying in bed. So actually find out, and then you're able to make informed decisions. How do you do that? Oh, we, we've got meters. We've got little kits that people can hire or you know purchase, mm-hmm. and you can go through your home and just test everything, see what's there, and it's got instructions about what to look for, you know, when to measure, where to measure, how to measure, uh, and what to do when you you find. Mm, I did that when I when I moved to my house. I bought this device online, and like there was a whole range of devices, some really expensive and some. Uh, yeah. Quite affordable. I got an affordable one, and I'm, I'm still doubting whether it's you know a good one or not. But mm-hmm. um, for instance, I took it to my bedroom, and the logical place to put it was sort of like the feng shui way. It was sort of different to how I actually en- ended up setting up the bed because on the other side of the wall, where my head would have been, is a uh, electricity meter, a power meter, not a smart meter, but just a power meter. And as I got close to it, the uh, the radiation was much higher. But then, just like a meter away from it, was uh, within what the device deemed to be like a safe zone. So we put the bed facing the other way, and it's sort of in an awkward position in terms of where it is in the in the room. Um, but 
at least I feel like my head's not getting fried each night. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's right, yeah. And that's a good thing to do. If you check out your exposure, you can find safe places as well as places that aren't so safe. So I just think it's fundamental. And when people are buying houses, mm. yes, this is something that they should be looking for because we get lots of people buying houses and then saying afterwards, oh, you know, well, it's actually near a high-voltage line. It's underground that we didn't know was there. Oh, they can be and underground, so, yeah. Yeah. That's see, right. I, I never had any really... idea of all this when we bought this house and I'm, I can see a mobile mm. phone tower from my bedroom window. Yeah, so. yeah. So if you know what's there, you can take steps to deal with it. Mind you, high-voltage high power line outside, there is nothing practical that you can do about no. it, which is, Sadly. Uh, I hate to tell people. Mm. But with something like a mobile phone tower, yeah, that can be shielded. We've got shielding paints, fabrics and window film that will block that, mm -hmm. um, stop that radiation coming in. But what we find is that these days most people will say, oh, look, I'm really worried about the power line out there or the mobile phone tower out there. But they don't realise that the majority of their exposure comes mm. from their own devices. devices. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and people will ring me up and say, oh, I've got these high readings in here. Do you think it could be this or do you think it could be that? In other words, they don't even know what devices are exposing them inside their own homes. Mm. So... This is a problem because there are so many wireless devices now that people, sorry, that wireless is incorporated in so many appliances that people buy that they don't even know that these things are irradiating them. Yeah. So you sell the meters on your website as well? Yep, we sell them and we hire them out so mm -hmm. that oh, know, people good. can quite affordably find this information out. Okay. I found that with that device that I had, that um, just moving a couple of meters away, say from the Wi-Fi router, was um, showed a significant drop mm. in the e EMF. And um, is that sort of consistent with your meters? Because I'm, as I said, my meter might not be the the best one. What like what have you seen in terms of say a, a Wi-Fi router? Is it the, anywhere that can actually grab a Wi-Fi signal is dangerous or the closer you get to it, is the worse it is? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Certainly the, the levels are higher closest to a router, but that router is pumping it out so that it's going to connect with, with a device probably anywhere in your house and probably down the street. So if you wander down the street with your whatever it is, your, your device, how far can you get and still be able to connect to the router? And that's mm. how far the radiation is, is going and having an effect. If that radiation is changing the, what the technology is doing, what might it be doing to the cells in our body or the hormones in our body or the genes in our body? We, we know that it, that it is affecting these things. So how, how much is dangerous? Well, again, that comes back to individual sensitivity because we have people in our network who are so sensitive that they can feel the Wi-Fi from their neighbours next door. Mm. And I have one lady who can tell when the neighbours turn their Wi-Fi on, when they turn it off, and how much data they're downloading. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. freaky. You don't what they're looking at, though. That, that would be dangerous. <laughs> well, that, yeah, so that, um, <laughs> she can tell by the way she feels, but she's got one of our meters so she can measure and validate what she's, she's saying. So, in other words, having being in a Wi-Fi environment where the, the router is further away may expose you to less, but is that still okay? 
and for some people it's not. And then when we come back to this cumulative effect idea, if you're exposed to a lot for ten, you know, for five years, or you're exposed to a little bit for twenty years, mm. ultimately, is there a difference? And and we don't know because this is this has not happened before. We we haven't had people exposed to Wi-Fi in their homes for twenty years. Yeah. But we will have by the time these kids have reached the age of twenty, and and then we can start to look and see. Are they developing tumours? Mm. Oh, well, maybe it was the Wi-Fi and then we'll have our data. But there could be a lot of kids suffering in the meantime. Mm. Um, I'm wondering with, um, say, the mobile phone, which I turn to airplane mode at night as it's sort of charging in the room, and um, the, the it's a small device, obviously, and uh, if, it, if it's close to my body, then it's problematic. But then when I turn the turn it to airplane mode I often wonder like the the waves of course of the mobile phone tower are still in the room it's not like I've switched off the mobile phone tower in my room yeah and, um, what's the um, what's the benefit is there any benefit in sort of like having the device turned off itself or like and I, am I still getting poisoned by all that mobile data that's around in the environment well, that's where you'd need to measure to know the answer to that. Certainly, reducing your exposure from your own devices is really important because that's minimising it. But yes, you could easily be exposed to other environmental signals like mobile phone tower or the neighbour's Wi-Fi or the neighbour's cordless phone even. But hmm. without measurements, you don't know how, how much you're being exposed to or whether you are being exposed to. If you measure and find out, well, you're getting too much or more than you'd like, if you wanted to, theoretically, you can shield that and stop it from coming in. So, yes, there are ways that people can make their homes a lot safer. Mm, okay. So these shields, um, they're like, um, what, they go on the outside wall or they, well, how do they work? Well, we've got a few things. We've got shielding paint, which, which can go on the inside or outside wall. We've mm. got shielding window film, which goes on the inside of the window. And we've got shielding curtain fabric, which again goes inside. All right, okay. And um, is this uh, kind of work affordable for people? Like, for, for instance, to shield their home, is it um, relatively affordable? And what kind of efficiency are we getting in terms of shielding? Yeah, and basically you're looking at about 99% effectiveness wow. in, in blocking radiation coming from, you know, one particular direction at a time. Is it affordable? Look, shielding is... Some shielding is a little bit expensive because it uses things like silver to to block it. Yeah. So that the the shielding fabric, for example, can be a bit expensive. But then you probably don't need much because we're not talking about shielding an entire home. We're talking about shielding a wall that might be next to a smart meter, for example, or it might be next to your neighbour's cordless phone or the, your neighbour's Wi-Fi. So blocking what where the specific source is to reduce that exposure and you know, particularly when people live in units for example is the paint itself biologically friendly like is it healthy yeah. paint as well okay right yeah, okay. yeah it's been designed so, for people who are chemically sensitive which a lot of people with yeah. uh, emr sensitivity are how do we distribute uh, internet around the home without having those wires just everywhere yeah. <laughs> well, there, there are many ways of doing that. People uh, in our network, people who are building homes often make sure that there are wires 
running to various rooms. Uh, in, you can have outlets in various rooms. You can have cords. So if you want to use a, a laptop, for example, and your modem's in one room and the laptop's in another, you can have a cord that connects the two and you can just roll up the cord and put it away when you, you're finished on the laptop. So it's, it's really up to you. I think it, it's a question of working out what works for you. I can only tell you that that's a safer option. Mm -hmm. What about things like, is it called, sorry, power over Ethernet? Is that the, the name yeah. of it? Yeah. yeah, that's that's another thing that, that people can use too. Yeah. So what is that uh, okay, exactly? So that, it's where you plug, uh, so you've got your modem in one room mm -hmm. and then you plug this little device into a PowerPoint in another room and it communicates information. Oh, I think that's what my son does. The, yeah, through the, the power lines, that's right. Mm -hmm. He's Sorry, got his the, um, the, the wiring. Right, he's got his desktop all set up so that it's all through the Ethernet in his yep. room that he works on each day. So at least that's one thing that we did right. <laughs> he did. <Yeah. laughs> oh, well done. Well done, to your son. Yeah. Um, so th isn't there some kind of thing that um, a device that people buy that goes into your house and like I remember a friend of mine saying she got one for her kid's classroom. He has autism and she found that it made such a difference at home to have this um, EMF blocker or whatever it is in the house that they got one for the classroom and it made a big difference at school in, for the kids in the classroom and the teacher said she could really notice the difference. Can you talk about that a little yeah. bit? Well, there are no EMF blockers, okay. so I'm not quite sure what she could have been using. There's, I've probably got the name called, wrong. <laughs> yeah, there, there are filters that you can plug in. Maybe that's what it is. That will actually filter out some of the, the let's call it the, the mess that, that travels through the wiring. And so I'm not sure whether it was something like that that she used. But in terms of blocking EMF or EMR or wireless radiation, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. So... If theoretically you blocked the radiation from your modem, you'd have no internet. information. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be able to to do anything on the internet because the information travels on the wireless radiation. So when people say they've blocked it, if they've still got information coming through, they haven't blocked it. Right. Because as I say, <laughs> the technology is still working. There are lots of devices out there claim to do magical things like yeah. harmonise and, you know, this and that and the other. And the trouble is there's absolutely no scientific evidence that any of that okay, works. Okay, thank you. That's what so, I wondered. Yeah. So if, if you want to know if something works in the, in the conventional scientific community, you would do, uh, you would measure in a laboratory and if you're measuring a mobile phone, for example, if the radiation front that you do what's called a SAR test, an SAR test, and that measures how much radiation is absorbed. So these sorts of devices don't make any difference to that. They don't make any difference to what you measure and they don't make any differences to SAR testing results. Okay, that's interesting. So, and, and Yeah, and we know because people, we've gone into homes where people have had really expensive devices that they've bought, like really expensive, yeah. and we've measured whether it turned on and with it turned off, and it's absolutely no difference. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and it, it makes sense really because mm. you cannot have one device that would address magnetic fields, electric fields, wireless radiation of a whole range of different frequencies mm. and dirty electricity. I mean, it'd be like taking a pill 
to cure every symptom <laughs> in the human body, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it, but somebody's making money off that. <laughs> a lot of people are making money, so uh. I just urge people to be cautious because there's so much... There are so many products out there that are definitely garbage and there are so yeah. many products out there that may be garbage that just where there is no scientific testing mm. of it. And if people use those things, they're taking a huge risk because what if they use it and put it in their home and continue using Wi-Fi and continue sleeping yeah. in high magnetic fields and so forth? If this stuff doesn't work, they're in a worse situation than if they reduce their exposure in ways we can demonstrate works. Mm. Can you tell us some success stories that you've had in terms of people coming in with symptoms and making changes and some yeah. seeing improvements? All the time. And it's there are so many of them. There was one lady who, who was really depressed and and she had sleep problems and her husband was depressed and had sleep problems. She discovered that she was sleeping near a meter box because she mm. heard me talk about it. She moved her bed a little bit, like just down the wall, and... The, the depression and the sleep problems disappeared for both of these people and they went off medication. Wow. So that's, you know, this, this little difference they made had that huge effect. Another lady had migraine headaches and she, um, she'd she had them for a few months and she hired our meters. She found, lo and behold, wireless radiation from her cordless phone. So she replaced the cordless phone with an ordinary phone the migraines went away and then she realised the migraines all started at the time that she bought the new mobile uh, cordless phone and plugged it in oh, wow. um, here's a, a really strange one for you but recently I was talking to a, a man who said that he used to carry his mobile phone in his hip pocket and when it when it rang he's, he would feel like a vibration in his leg so mm. he, he took the mobile phone out of his pocket and he carried it somewhere else. But now when it rings, his leg still vibrates. Oh, that's weird. I know, it is weird. But it, it, it sounds like the leg is so sensitized to those frequencies that it can detect the minute frequencies from the, from the phone a distance away. So that's an interesting one. But mm. we get lots of people saying, oh, you know, I get, um, I get symptoms. One one man had problems in his hip from where he carried the mobile phone, stopped carrying the mobile phone there, hip problems went away. Hmm. Um, people with tinnitus, tinnitus oh. coming from from outside, sorry, radiation coming from outside the house, put up shielding curtain, tinnitus went away. Um, lots and lots of examples. We talk to people all the day, all the time, each day who report improvements. What about um, one thing that someone talked, I, I think it was on a podcast actually, um, about the smart meters and um, women who can't have children and lack of fertility and things like that. Have you heard much about that kind of thing? Yeah, there's, there's no research on smart meters themselves and fertility, but there is this there's research on wireless radiation, uh, you know, more specifically from mobile phones mm. and fertility. And what they've found is that sperm, male sperm, is affected by uh, mobile phone radiation. So it become it behaves in ways that are less likely to make it connect to the egg and achieve mm. fertilization. But also women who, um, I should not say women, I should say female animals that have been exposed to Wi-Fi radiation. They've had less eggs, so right. women are 
women are born with the number of eggs that they have for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. If they're exposed to this radiation well, in this experiment, those the number of eggs they had reduced. So that would decrease female fertility. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, then uh, a question about um, mobile phones and um, headphones. So I, I oh good, um, I had this I question too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, uh, all right, Joe, you no, ask. you go. No, I, I was just saying good. I'm glad you're asking that. <laughs> well, I uh, I used to get like um, my ear would sort of burn and fall off every time I talk on the phone <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> And um, then I started putting in the earphones and I felt it was much, you know, yeah, noticeably there's no pain in my ear or mm. no trouble when I talk on the phone with the earphones. Yeah. But I've also heard from people saying, oh, no, the EMF will travel through that and go into you anyway. So can yeah. can you shed some light on this? Yeah. Well, Earphones that have wires in them can theoretically conduct the field from the mobile phone into the ear. And there was an experiment on that done in the UK in the 1990s. So based on that, a lot of people say, well, don't use earphones that have got wired connections. So we have earphones that that we sell to people and they have air tubes, so no wires in them. And what that does is it allows the mobile phone to be at a distance from the body when you're speaking, which is a lot safer than having it right up against your head. Okay. That's that's interesting. I I see them on your site. I was just having a look at what you had there. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I'll have a look. Um, With the – all right, so what about things like uh, a lot of people now are wearing – smart watches, like an yeah. Apple Watch, and um, um, also a lot of yeah. Bluetooth headsets uh, are yeah. coming in. Yeah. This is becoming the norm now, like having a, a wireless headset rather than a wired one. Um, and, and Bluetooth apparently is like, you know, a very weak light wave radiation or something like that. That's what the the argument is. It's not like a full-on, um, like a, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not science-y enough around this, but um, <laughs> that the 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 um, I guess the frequencies that are being emitted are within the normal light range or something like that, and that they're no, not, no, no. no. Yeah. it's just radiation. Bluetooth is just radiation. Okay. Um, can so what what are the dangers with these devices now? Is it still um, um, pretty terrible? Do we have any science on this? What what do we know? Well, this is where it comes back to how much radiation should we be exposed to. So being exposed to something that's low power for a long period of time may not be any better than being exposed to something that's high power for a short period of time. So Bluetooth just means radiation. My view is that people should not be wearing any radiation-emitting devices. I think that's taking a tremendous risk. And certainly people who are sensitive react very badly to Bluetooth. And Mm. if in a car, for example, if people got Bluetooth in a car, that radiation is trapped in the car, which is a metal shell bouncing around and irradiating everybody in there. So there are there are situations where it's you're a lot worse off being exposed to radiation from any source. We certainly know people who react very badly. We have one lady who had a, a Fitbit, a wireless Fitbit, and she she got so sick. She had so many symptoms and she went to so many 
doctors and specialists to try and, and sort them out. She had to take a year off work. Wow. No income for that entire period. She went to an acupuncturist who said, get that thing off your wrist. She did, and all her symptoms went away. <laughs> so I'm not saying they went away in the first five minutes, but you know, she, she got better after a year of having these problems. And by that stage, she'd worked out that it was her Fitbit. Then she went back to her doctor and said, I just want to let you know what, what happened. I was able to find the cause of my problems. And he said, yeah, strange that, because we had somebody else with exactly the same oh. problems. <laughs> so, yeah, people are reacting to this. Mm, wow. All right, so that's, again, yeah, we're, we're talking about um, you might be okay for a while and then this accumulative um, radiation exposure will at some point trigger some symptoms in you and um, it's not like you're, if you're okay now, you're going to be okay forever. This will mm. just accumulate in yeah. body. So, a bit like so food. Can you- <laughs> and, and a bit like smoking too. Yeah. And, and not everybody who smokes gets lung cancer, but... That's right. Your risks are greater, aren't they? Definitely. Mm. So, so what? Uh, what's the um, first places for people to start? Like, if I come to you today and I say, "Hey, I want to become EMF friendly or unfriendly," mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so I just want to. <laughs> I don't want to be its friend anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 I want EMF out of my life uh, or reduced. Uh, um, where, how, what's the advice that you give usually like for the standard human being? Yeah, number one, I would say hire our home test kit and measure and find out what's going on in your, your home. And I actually, you know, we, we can do testing for people in their homes too, but I like people to have the meters in their hands because then they can see it for themselves. It's not like somebody saying, oh, I think it's safe or I think it's dangerous. They yeah. can see, and they can see what's coming from what device. They can try it over different times of day. They can measure, you know, do it with their kids when the kids come home from school. They can measure their workplace. They can take it into the school, <laughs> you know, stand where the kid's desk is. Find out what the exposure is because that's the number one priority. No one can make a home safe without actually knowing what's there in the first place because you could be spending lots of money on things you don't need or completely missing the things that you did need to address because mm. you mightn't be able to see them. Um, so that that's really the starting point. And a lot of things people can do really inexpensively. I'm not saying get the meters and then spend thousands of dollars. It's it's not always a question of spending money. It's a question of knowing, of being able to turn something off, of being able to move it, of being aware. Yeah. So that's the example before you continue is um, I used to a rental house and I got that meter right before we sort of moved to a new place, but I used it in the rental before we moved to our, our place in the mountains and I found that right next to my head uh, at night was the meter and and I'd been really struggling with my sleep I was waking up every few hours and but I didn't really have an option to sort of uh, move out of that room or change the bed so what I did is I just slept the other way around so I put my feet yeah. towards the exactly. that's, yes. that's a, a really good example I, I and honestly just that night I started sleeping better from that point yeah. on. Well, just, that's um, right. Yeah. yeah. 
it's so, really so, interesting. Sorry then to interrupt, but please continue with the steps that you can take. Oh, sorry, what was that? Uh, I'm sorry, I said I was sorry to interrupt your flow and I'd love for you to continue with the steps that one can take. Ah, yeah. thanks. Oh, well, I, I think that was a really good example. That's just exactly what I'm talking about. Find out what's there and then you can take steps and a lot of it you can work out yourself, like either move the bed, turn yourself upside down, uh, you, you know, you can shield meter boxes if you need to, but there are things you can do that don't involve any money. So that's the number one thing, measure. And everything else is going to depend on what you find. So step number two doesn't really exist because it'll be different for everybody according to what they're being exposed to. But just letting you know that we do have coming out in the next couple of weeks, we've got some shielding singlets. So people are going to be able to wear these, they'll be for kids and um, for adults, starting with women, and they're going to be able to use them while they're sitting at the Wi-Fi computer or in a Wi-Fi classroom. So that's something that people can do really easily because these days, as you mentioned before, lots of people are exposed to Wi-Fi in their working Workplace, day. Workplace, yeah. Um, yeah, so that at least provides some protection to the body. Hmm. And so with the, the paint, does that work with all sorts of radiation? So for instance, like um, my meters outside my room and other people would be interested in blocking mobile phone radiation hmm. and others, yeah. all, you know, high, high tension wires or whatever it is. Is it the same yeah. thing that works for all of them? No, it only blocks wireless radiation. So it'll block radiation from smart meters, mobile phone towers, your neighbours' Wi-Fi, cordless phones, that sort of thing. It doesn't block magnetic fields and that's, the magnetic fields are what come from the high-voltage power lines. So the bad news is there's nothing you can do about high-voltage power lines in a practical sense. What about uh, power meters on the other side of your room? Well, you, you, if it's on the other side of your room, it's probably not a problem. And that's where it comes back to measuring because we're all... Sorry, other side of the wall. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm... other side of the wall. Well, if, if you spend time close to it and depending on what kind of meter it is, it may be a problem or may not. So, again, I always say measure first. If, it's a prob if the magnetic fields from a meter box are high and you're in those fields a lot, they, they can be shielded. But you need good measurements before you can actually take any steps to shield them. Is that with a paint shield or what kind of shield? No, no, there's, there's special shielding, um, yeah. metal shielding, and it needs to be made for the individual meter box according to the size of the meter box oh, and right. the strength of the field. So that's it's not a really economical solution, but it can be done. Are the old-fashioned okay. meter boxes just as bad as the smart meter ones? No, they're, well, they're different. The old ones, the old analog ones, have higher magnetic fields, mm -hmm. but those fields drop off really quickly with distance. So if you're right. not really close to them, it's not a problem. In oh, the that's first good. Place. Ours is on the <laughs> way down the end of the house. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. But the smart meters are a problem because of the wireless radiation. Yeah, they right. So the magnetic fields are low, but the radiation is the problem. So I would say if people have got a radiation emitting smart meter, definitely look at the paint to block it. But then again, look what else is going on in your house because what's the point of blocking the smart meter and then having, mm. uh, say, a Wi-Fi modem 
where you you work all, all day in your mm. your home office. So you need to be looking at this issue holistically. I think. It's mm, great. Um, Jo, do you have any more questions? Yeah, we didn't really get into the. I wanted to ask you a couple of things. Um, probably mostly for my teenagers' sake, <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's good for them to hear it from someone else. Can you just talk a little bit about um, screen time? Sort of, you know, like the amount that is recommended for kids. Is that something that and and like sleep and how it affects it and. Um, you know, it's it's just so common now for kids to be on screen so much. I obviously try and keep mine at a minimum, but it's good for them to hear what it actually does and why it's important to limit it. Yeah, and, and this is a really good question. Firstly, I think it's really important for kids to realise what's coming out of the devices that they're using. Mm. So just while we're talking about electromagnetic radiation, if you measure and show them and say, yeah. oh, this is this is what you get. Comes back to the measuring again, yeah. yeah. and when you use it on this mode, it's higher than when you use it on that mode. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing, I think, can be useful to them. How how much screen time is safe? Well, we haven't got a clue. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> really knows because, you know, how, how can you determine that? And I think the thing is that it, that's going to be different for different kids yeah. anyway. Certainly, it's having a whole range of effects. One of the things that it's doing is it's, it appears to be decreasing melatonin, which is a really mm. important hormone in the body. And melatonin is also a free radical scavenger, so it plays a protective role against cancer, and it helps with sleep. So when we start knocking off the melatonin in our body, not only may we sleep not as well, but we may be running the risk of, of developing cancers down the track. So that's one of the things that's a problem. I mean, there are eye problems too from staring at screens all the mm. time. Um, it's, this sort of screen use has been linked to appetite problems and obesity, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. It's also been linked to cardiovascular disease. So we're stepping away from EMR now and talking about some of the other problems. But if somebody's sitting in front of a screen, they're not exercising they may be eating, they're not getting outside and, and being in nature and yeah. that all has a harmful effect on the body. Of course. It, so it reduces fitness, it's linked with diabetes and it's linked with attention deficit behaviours. Yeah. Now, this, because my background is in, in teaching, this for me is a huge problem and I, and I just like to ask all the people listening here who've got kids or who are teachers, what do they notice about their kids' attention span? Mm. And, and I think we can probably predict that the answer is that where is it? <laughs> What's happened to it? Yeah, and the more and, more time sitting in front of a television or computer, the worse that's going to be. Absolutely. And, and this sort of exposure is leading to things like hyperactivity and reduced attention span, therefore reduced concentration, therefore reduced learning mm. and reduced IQ. So there are actually studies that are showing that people perform better at school without wireless devices like their mobile phones yeah. than with it. So why are we filling our classrooms with these, <laughs> these wireless emitting yeah. technologies? And, and why are we thinking that when kids get on these devices that we're, we're doing them a favour? And why are we giving them to tiny little kids thinking mm. that we're improving the education when in fact we might be actually reducing their, their IQ too. Mm. So um, 
Yeah, so those are some of the problems, but it really bothers me. And when I see kids who are unable to read, who are unable to write, you know, I'm talking about high school kids, yeah. unable to write sentences, it, a single sentence, high school kids, year 12 kids, wow. who are unable to read reads a short amount of material and get meaningful information from it who are who need to be distracted every few seconds yep. who need the you know the, the buzz and the noise and the colors and the movement who are dependent on that I think we've got a real real problem, problem yeah. and and I, I think that as a society we need to be looking at what's going on there the scary thing that I see is that once you give it to them, um, it becomes such an addiction that's very hard for them to hard for you to pull it away. So you know, how do you reduce it in your home? Well, that's an interesting. Yeah, well, that's a really good question. And there's a, a beautiful book that was written by an American psychologist. I think she was a psychologist. It's called I Minds, I hyphen M I N D S, mm-hmm. by Mari Swingle. And she talks about all these things. So oh, she's good. not talking about EMR, but she's talking about all the other effects the of technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's saying that if you allow kids to use. If you say to them, don't don't use your wireless devices so much and leave them there, it's a bit like saying to an alcoholic, don't drink <laughs> yeah. alcohol and leaving a bottle of al- open alcohol on the, the table in front of them. And, you know, that I think that's what we're doing. Mm. We really have created this massive addiction problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about some... I'm looking at so, right now. It sounds like a like a really great topic to to investigate in fullness with mm. an expert on this. Yeah, um, I'm just I'm wondering with regards to recovering from toxicity of EMF. Mm. Is there some kind of lifestyle activity that can be done yes. to help support um, the body to detox from the radiation and uh, maybe uh, reverse the damage done by the oxidative stress? Mm. Yeah, well, you, you're talking about antioxidants there, I think. The, the trouble is, the radiation doesn't linger in the body, so it's not a question of getting it out. It's you, the, the radiation changes things within the body, so it changes cells and hormones and, and mm. those sorts of things. And for some people, that damage seems to be ongoing. For some people, they seem to be able to recover from that that damage Mm. I think antioxidants are great and there's certainly studies that are showing that taking antioxidants or giving animals for example antioxidants reduce the amount of damage that they were experiencing from electromagnetic fields so that makes sense but I think a lot of people who have symptoms from this radiation have a lot of things wrong in their bodies too that they probably need to to perhaps see a naturopath about or investigate more fully because what's happening for one person won't be the same as what's happening for another person. I know when my son was having a lot of trouble with anxiety, um, we really worked on getting outside a lot more, being in the sunshine, sports, um, bare feet in the grass, all of those kind of things. So... Um, I guess that's the same for any health issues, really. <laughs> that's always, yeah. you know, get back out into nature as much as possible, isn't it? Yeah, well, def- yeah, definitely. And also anxiety is linked with exposure yes, to definitely. These, these sorts of fields. 
so when you're getting out into nature, you're away from these fields. That's right. You're actually physically grounding your body. Yeah. So it's so important. Mm, very important. It, it, I, it amazed me to see how um, within 20 minutes of being out in green nature walking, their whole attitude would change, both of my boys that have a bit of anxiety. It would just take 20 minutes of walking and talking out in nature and they would feel so much better. Oh, that's wonderful. And, you know, I think that if our kids did that more regularly, Mm. I I think that would solve a lot of problems. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Did you have any more questions, Fu? No, I think this this has been really great. And I just would love to know how people could find more about uh, what you do and uh, the, uh, the organization you work for and how they can get in touch with you if they would like to have more information. Yep, sure. If they can just look me up on EMR Australia. So our website's emraustralia.com.au and there's lots of good information there and our contact details. And I think it's fantastic if, if, that you have <laughs> raised this for your listeners and wonderful for your, your listeners to follow up on it because I just think it's such an important issue for, for every householder, every every parent. Yeah, it's so helpful. Thank you so much. And I'm definitely going to get a test kit to try, um, to, you know, show your kids and check out what's happening in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's such a useful thing. We had one lady yesterday who said, oh, I'm really disappointed. I've got to send it back because it was due to be sent back. And yeah. said, oh, it's been so, I really enjoyed it. I, um, I got so much information from it. Mm. So that's terrific. And, and we really want people to understand this issue a, a bit more. So thanks that's for that. Great. And thanks for the opportunity of, of talking about it. It's a, a great thing to do. I'd just like to, if I may, also let yeah. people know about my book, Wireless oh, yes. Wise Families. What was it called, sorry? It pub- Wireless Wise Families. Okay. And that was published by Scribe in September and there's oh, awesome. heaps of information in that little book. Oh, great. About- we'll put a link to that on the show notes. Lovely. Thank you for that. Lots of easy things that people can do to reduce their exposure and have healthier, happier homes. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Then thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, really appreciate the work that you're doing uh, to raise awareness on this topic, and we're sure the listeners will love this show. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank it's you. It's my Lynn. pleasure. I really appreciate your time, Fred and Joe. Thanks very much. Thank you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.